Bryce and Ren and Corey in the house. My name is Bryce Henderson and one of the co-hosts of this podcast. So we will we will be discussing season two, episode 12 of Corey in the House, titled Peace, Love, and Misunderstanding. This is the penultimate episode of Bryce and Ren and Corey in the House, and episode number 33. Uh, and with me, as always, to break down all things Corey in the House is one Renan Fontes. Ren. How's it going? My name is Renan Fontes. I've been in the White House basement for 33 weeks now. I'm running out of food. My flashlight is mm-hmm. running out of light. I don't know how much longer I can stay down here, but I know I have at least one more episode of Corey in the house to get through. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, Ren. Ren, it's me. It's Bryce. Bryce? Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Bryce, I haven't heard from you in a week. <laughs> Are you and I both stuck? Uh, I'm also stuck in the basement. Well, you're in the, you're, you're technically in the ceiling. I'm in the, oh, really? Because I feel like looking at the situation, I feel like I'm in, uh, I think I'm uh, hanging. What is that? I'm in the attic. I think I'm up top. Can you believe no, I'm in the floor. The I'm in the floor. That was Ridiculous. the second episode of the season. And fundamentally, nothing has really changed. No, no, nothing has changed. Um, uh, well, no, right. actually, it's not true. The writers have stopped caring. I Every yeah. week, it's less and less. Yeah, every single week it is. It's, uh, and you can tell, slowly but surely, they're losing an intern, they're losing a writing staff member, until now it's just, uh, I think it's just the cast writing at this point. Uh, this episode, this let, let's, not, uh, let's not give them too much credit. This episode was written by Sarah Jane Cunningham and Susie V. Friedman. Yikes. They are a television writing and producing team. Is this the only episode of Cory in the House that they've written? Uh, they've written two episodes. Let me see which other one they wrote. Oh, the other okay. one they wrote was Get Smarter. Um, where Newt has his little crush. Mm-hmm. Not the worst episode in the world. No. But, uh, you know, always room for no- worse. Yeah, it was not a very special episode like this one was. Uh, Ren, any other uh, initial thoughts from this episode? Extremely racist. Yeah. Yeah, here we are again. (laughs) It's so loaded. It's so loaded. Because I don't even know where to begin. Because we can discuss, you know, just the general racism of it all. We can Mm -hmm. discuss the very blatant Israel-Palestine allegory going on. Yes. We can discuss the ass of it all. So this has to be what got Corey in the house canceled. <laughs> there's there's no way. I watched this episode earlier in the week and I was dumbfounded. That's right. Just what they let happen. When you were telling me about the episode earlier in the week, I honestly did not believe it could live up to the hype. But it and... was somehow worse than I <laughs> even imagined it could be. Well, because it's so Corey in the House has this way, typically in episodes, of like, you get to the intro, you get a basic idea of what's to come, and yeah. you're like, okay, I'm going to strap myself in for this, right? Sometimes it's like, oh, I hate this premise. There's been a few times where they've even set it up, and then it twists, and so you end up with something completely different, and that's usually yeah. pleasant. 
Uh, in this episode, just based on the opening, right? I strapped myself in and I was like, oh my God, we're going to get <laughs> 21 minutes of this. And With it's no going to be as a buffer. I know it's going to be rough. And it, it definitely was. Um, so that's kind of our general thoughts before we get started with talking about the episode uh, i believe you have some housekeeping tonight. that's right mm-hmm. so bryce next week is our final episode of bryce and ren and cory in the house yes for our finale i'd like to do a mm-hmm. fun little game okay uh yeah you to think about your own 14th episode of cory in the house season two i want you to come up with an a plot a b plot and a premise for your cold open, close, and acts one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. I just okay. want to share it. Yeah, that, that sounds good. I have a question about this. So okay. I because I think this is fun. Um, and I'll, I'll definitely do it. My question for you is um, should we watch the ep- next week's episode? Should we watch it first and then build the 14th episode on the context of the 13th episode, if that makes sense? Like if the 13th episode is a fitting finale, mm-hmm. then I might make an episode that's more like um, where there's smoke, like the episode of That's a Raven we watched. Yeah. Or if it's not a fitting finale, I might want to make a 14th episode that is a fitting finale. So am I taking into account that 13th episode? Good question. Let's say (laughs) yes. Okay. For the sake of completion. I love it. Yeah. Um, Sounds fun. Yeah. I feel like I know the characters well. Yep. So... We've gained an mm-hmm. intimate understanding of them over this half year. Which is so unfortunate, Ren, isn't it? Isn't it? Because um, speaking of unfortunate, did you ever... I, I asked myself this last night. Did you ever think three, four years ago that you would find yourselves in a feud with uh, two girls who <laughs> do an iCarly rewatch podcast? And uh, the reason why is because you publicly called them out on your Corey in the House podcast. I never dreamed that this could possibly happen. Like what an absurd set of scenarios that we are in. And <laughs> here we are. Um, what kind of feud yeah, so, do you think we're in? You think it's like a Beverly Hillbilly situation? We're like I think it's, families. So I think privately, I think it's like a, um, like off the record. I think it's more of like a playful thing, but like on the record, uh, I believe that people will need to choose sides soon. Yeah. I think things Definitely. are going to heat up. I think it's going to get malicious and nefarious. Yes. Uh, I don't think, I, I think by the end of the feud, one of the podcast pairs will be broken up. Seen Avengers in uh, Infinity War. Think about the ending of that. Something like that. Yes. Yeah. So 50% of one of the, of the <laughs> population, or in this case, the podcasting duo will split up. So either the, the iCarly girls will be split up and gone. Or you and I will walk away from each other based on some some nefarious act they uh, put upon us. They build a Robo Ren and Robo Bryce oh. <laughs> who interact with the regular us without us knowing that they're the robots. So we get all pissed at each other when we confront each other in real life. Mm-hmm. We, we break up the podcast. And then Robo Ren and Robo Bryce do Robo Bryce and Robo Ren and Robo Cory in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll because I'll wake up and I'll get a I'll get a voicemail from you and I'll be like, oh, well, like what's wrong? I'll listen to the voicemail and it'll be you saying something along the lines of like, hey, Brace, I've been thinking about it. I really think that we should rewatch Corey in the House again and we shouldn't go on to Nedzy Classified. And that conflict alone will split us up. 
I think a round two of Corey in the house could really help us refine our commentary. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. We're giving them ideas. We're giving them so many ideas to sabotage us. So <laughs> I they feel... force us to rewatch Corey in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they dislike all. They send their fans to dislike all of our posts on social media and just comment. Bring back Corey. Final uh, engagement. I know. <laughs> oh man. Uh, all right. Uh, and so next week, um, let's. I, I don't want to. <laughs> I should have kind of picked out a time or something <laughs> beforehand. But let's. You and I are gonna meet up. Yeah. And we're gonna do do a show together um so we will post on all of our social medias tomorrow which is monday um that time but i just need to uh i need to verify my plans and situations yeah for uh next weekend before i can confirm a time but we will be together um we will record the finale podcast live and uh we will stream it live as well uh i have a camera so hopefully we can both be seen as well right. we put faces to the or the voices that you listen to as you fall asleep <laughs> so <laughs> oh my gosh we're in too deep all right you ready to talk about episode 33 god yeah and, and let's just do it let's do it. so Corey is giving a tour to a yet another this is two weeks in a row we have a foreign exchange student plot line uh, at Washington okay, here, here's what happened Juan Carlos <laughs> After fighting Corey in the Lucha... So, he said that he's always looking for stronger opponents. Oh, okay. So, he's, like, traveling from school to school, (laughs) looking to fight their strongest student. So, he fought Corey, he won, he's moving on. He doesn't need to be in Washington, D.C. anymore. But because (laughs) it demands a student for them to get their funding, they gotta bring Saruza in. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I want the spinoff of Juan Carlos. Juan going Carlos city, in the world. City, going city to city, fighting the strongest person in the city, actively seeking <laughs> them out. Fighting I them. feel like that would make a great HBO series. <laughs> it would. Just to become the world's ultimate luchador. <laughs> Number one. All right. Um, so we get Saruza here. New foreign exchange student. Um... Right off the bat, lots of Mina vibes in that uh, the show uh, has given her a lot of vague identities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And She's like Mina times a hundred. Yes. Yep. They give her um, a an accent, which is uh, indiscernible. But Ren, you you had a really good likeness. I thought when you and it I were, sounds- were briefly talking. It sounds exactly like Tommy Wiseau from The Room. Yeah. If you have seen it, The Room, if you are familiar with Tommy Wiseau at all, that is the accent she's doing. And of course, he's infamous for having an accent that is... Um, Indecipherable. Yeah, no one knows No one knows what, what it's supposed to be, where it came from. So that's what we have going on here. Um, she is wearing um, like garb that would be typically uh like traditional of certain uh like south what is it, like uh, southeast asia southeast asian countries um and similar to mina when we first met her right yeah very um, like so, 
meant to in- evoke an old world kind of feel. Yes. Yep. Uh, and so Mina is introduced to Saruza. So Corey's done with this tour and is like, hey, this is Mina, this is Saruza, Saruza, this is Mina. They shake hands, and that's when uh, they identify that Saruza's like, oh, is that a yak necklace you have around your neck? Yak bone necklace. Yak bone necklace. <laughs> and Mina identifies that Saruza has a, a musk ox bracelet around her wrist. Right? And so Saruza is from Dabinia. Bahavia's arch nemesis. Mm-hmm. And they Which... have a centuries-long feud that has something to do with land. Yeah. It's Sounds uh... familiar. <laughs> Even for Cory on Cory in the house is on the nose. Mm-hmm. Very, very in your face. This whole episode doesn't know what the word subtle means. <laughs> um, and they they really leave it all hanging, uh, literally. So uh, we meet these two, we get a brief understanding. Corey's like, oh, you hate each other. And they quickly storm off. They walk away. Uh, did they, I thought this was interesting, Ren. For the first time in 33 episodes, the cold open doesn't end with a laugh track. I didn't notice that. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Corey I... makes it... Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I guess it, lend- it makes the episode seem like it's going to be dealing with heavier subject matter, which mm-hmm. it is. But it does it so tactlessly. Yeah, I think that's... I think knowing that now makes the episode even worse, in my opinion. They, I, I'm not joking when I say they tried to make this a very like a very special episode. They really, I think, thought that they were introducing bold concepts to children who'd be watching it. The problem is, uh, they had a you know the seers from Greek mythology who can see every who know the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they had one of them on staff. And she was actually oh. listening to Bryson Ren and Corey in the house. Mm-hmm. She was only a few episodes in when they got to this episode. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. In the end, she, she wasn't able to receive all of our feedback. <laughs> if only. If only they had listened to all of it. This whole thing could have been undone. Uh, yeah, so we get, get that. Uh, and so now... We learn from Mina. So Corey's like, hey, Mina, what's the deal? Why don't you like Dabinians? Okay, so in the next scene here, they're talking just the two of them at school. Uh, Mina informs us that all Dabinians, and the language here is specific for a reason. Yeah. Right. Um, And Corey serves as that... um, like, he, he sits there. I think his character in this episode, in a lot of this back and forth, is meant to be a voice of seeming reason. Corey, Corey is framed as the voice of reason in this episode, mm-hmm. which makes the fact that he is humiliated in the end also worse. Yeah, and it's he, he also, like, this isn't a role that we as an audience are used to seeing him in. No. So it's hard to see him as a voice of reason when he's done and said the outlandish, outrageous, and offensive things that he has done i agree it doesn't work putting Corey mm-hmm. in this role feels very weird it's um it is i think that's a raven Corey could do this yeah cory in the house Corey could not do this so. i think another big issue is that mm-hmm. so much of Corey in the house is stacked against Corey. 
<laughs> these episodes are not kind to him and they do not paint him in a flattering light. Yeah. So now when we're supposed to see him as our voice of reason, as our like trusted narrator or guide through this um, conflict, it's hard to uh, really understand what we're supposed to be getting out of it. Uh, so yeah, so Mina is explaining to him, all Dominions are musk-loving, ma- musk-loving, musk-ox, <laughs> sorry, loving thieves. Okay. What a, so, what a heavy statement from Mina. All Dabinians, every single one of them. Check out the history books, Ren. In- so, Bahavi has got some pretty intense propaganda. Yes. And what, so, um, we get, so the structure of this story, and we'll obviously get more into it, but the structure of the story is that we get one example of this, and then, or like we get this scene, and then the same scene is reflected, but opposite. So we get a yeah. scene where Saruza is saying pretty much the, the opposite thing, another bold claim about Bahavians. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, the, but, and both of them reference, like, in it's in my history book. Yeah, which, Mina specifically says that uh, 800 mm. years ago, a band of shifty Dubinians stole all the fruit from their sacred fig tree. Yeah. Just some so, uh, very holy land shit. <laughs> It is, yeah, and the usage of, like, it's in the history books, I don't know if they're, they're obviously going for, like, the propaganda aspect, I don't know if they're making a bigger message about, also, like, because this is an an American audience, primarily American audience watching, so I don't know if it's, they're also giving a message there of, like, hey, have you noticed that your history books are, like, really uh, one-sided? I I, I don't know if if there's that commentary. I do not believe Corey in the house would make that take. Yeah. Okay. It's very pro-nationalist, hyper-jingoist Americana yeah. propaganda. Yeah. Um, all right. So we, yeah, so we, we really learn here about how Mina views the Dabinians, how she, so to her, this is fact. This is what she knows. This is how she's been brought up. This is what she knows about Dabinians. She then gives this information to Corey. Um, and... It's, it's almost like planting a little seed, almost like a planting a little fig seed in Corey's mind, right? Um, where Corey like acknowledges all this and just kind of like takes it all in. Like he's a sponge. Yeah. The, the thing that like sits with him the most is Mina saying, is telling him to lock up all his valuables around Dubinians. Mm-hmm. That one ends up sticking with him. <laughs> it does. Yeah, so, but before it sticks with them, uh, we get our B-plot scene here. Uh, Al is back. That's right, and I actually forgot to make note of who played him in the credits, because the Cory in the House wiki lists him as a, an uncredited actor. Oh, a big cameo. I'll have to, I'll have to check again later. To see that if he actually pretty funny. Is that just me? Al? Al, yeah. I like him. I think he's a good presence. I wish they uh, I, they found him earlier. Because just having him as that, like, stone-cold, like, um, like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? His uh, delivery. How would you describe his delivery? Stoic? Stoic, Why? yeah. Like, his, uh, I like stoic. He has, like, very stoic delivery of all of his lines. That's his bit. He's, he says he, he says something that is maybe funny or, like, a little bit weird. But because he says it stoically, it adds to the humor. And it, yeah. also, he plays off Sophie 
here, who is the opposite. So if he's really big, really exaggerated. Um, so Sophie's into practical jokes now. Classic pranks. Sophie definitely grew mm -hmm. up to have a YouTube prank channel. <laughs> yeah, she she would. Um, Do you think she does harmless pranks or like mean spirited pranks? Well, I would think mean spirited because that's like a little bit of who the character is at yeah. this point in season two. But with that said, all of the jokes that she does here, other than the last one, which is done with intent and build up, uh, are pretty lighthearted and harmless, and she loves them. That's true. So Maybe I think she put out random people on the street. <laughs> hey, come meet America's angel. Um, <laughs> yeah, that would be a problem. So in this scene, she has a hand buzzer, the classic like hand buzzer. She tells Al, "Hey, I'm about to get my dad real good," and he's like, uh, "I can't yeah, let that happen." Right. Yeah, and so. Um, so Sophie goes to like shake hands with Martinez, doesn't really shock him, uh, like surprise him because he, he saw it coming from a mile away. But so I love this concept of America's Angel uh, on the street uh, doing like a YouTube show where she's like, hey, come meet me. And then she like actively zaps people. <laughs> That'd be fun to watch. How many how many episodes would it take? Um, how many episodes? I'm thinking she'd do 12 before someone made her stop. Or before okay. she sells it off to someone else, John Krasinski style. <laughs> Just betray his audience. That was heartless that he did that. <laughs> right? What I is, love what that is, people turned on him because of it. What is, uh, it was like some good news, right? Is that what it was called? It's, it's, it was like his like happy YouTube show that was giving everyone joy in the pandemic. Then he monetized it. Yeah, monetized it big time. I uh, wanted to see what it's up to now. It looks like he did a Christmas special. Um, and so no, because he sold it, but it looks like nothing's been done with it. Sounds about right. Yeah, we should watch the Christmas special sometime. Bryson Ren and the John Krasinski Christmas special. Yeah, some good news in the house. Could be good. Um, all right, so back to the episode. Yeah, so Martinez gives some advice to Sophie, like the best... Uh, the key to a good practical joke is the element of surprise. And then he says, with that said, I'm going to go ask the Secretary of State to pull my finger. That's going to get him impeached. A hundred percent. There are two episodes left. Next week isn't going to be able to go into it, but if there were a 14th episode, Martinez, we'd we'd like hear something about like, oh, uh, one of the interns is suing me. And then episode <laughs> 15, uh, all the papers are running this. Episode 16, we see Martinez is kind of sweaty in a bunch of scenes, his tie's loose. Doesn't really say anything, just like coughing a lot. Uh, episode 17, not around. Episode 18, impeachment trial. And that's a two-parter that goes into 19. Episode 20 is the series finale. It goes very House of Cards, very fast. <laughs> it's just the reality of politics at this point. Martinez just, is... he has no public appeal. He no. would get eaten alive. Is Martinez willing to throw someone in front of a train? Yes, his own daughter, I believe. Wow. Um, so uh, so we get, that's that's our B plot here. Sophie's going to do some jokes. Back to our A plot. Corey is, uh, he's invited Sarusa over to the White House to Despite like study or something. Warnings. Yep. And uh, Corey leaves the room, comes back. He's like, hey, I got some popcorn. Sarusa's like, oh, I got to go. Um, 
So, and, do you think Corey announced that he was going to get a snack before he came back, and then Saruza decided to leave? Um, no, probably not. So you I think she Cor- got up and left her alone without saying anything? Um. Uh, well, actually, so I get what you're saying. So, like, based on what Corey is now led to believe about the Binions, is that what you're saying? I'm saying. It's a little weird that Corey came back with a snack mm-hmm. and Saruza's now deciding to leave. Because realistically, if, if we were together doing homework, oh, I got I'd, be, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go grab us a snack. And I'd get up and leave. Mm-hmm. And then you came back with the snack and you were like, hey, I brought the snack. And I said, oh, I'm going to go. Yeah. Um, it would be awkward. I mean, especially Corey just po- made this massive bowl of popcorn. He's going to, he's supposed to eat that alone? Saruza expects him to. It'd be, but it'd be one thing boy. if Saruza's is like, hey, I, I, what is the excuse does she give? Is she like, hey, I forgot I had this? Or is she just like, oh, I got to go? I don't think she gives an excuse. I just think she's ready to leave. Yeah, so it's unacceptable then. I think if that happens, I feel like you're obligated to stay 10 more minutes. Yeah. Right, to at least like pick up the food and then be like, all right, like I got to go. It's only polite. Right, they are quite putting all this effort to hand pop some popcorn and you who put knows the kernels things he used yeah it could be tasty <laughs> you see what seasonings yeah it was salt and butter you could put like nacho stuff you've never been to like a cinema that had seasonings i mean i have but i've kind of been like eh. there's you like what the nacho cheese like cinnamon you can put like on ranch, it garlic ranch parmesan yeah i had a parmesan right. popcorn Spice of I don't life. know about that. Uh, and the spice of popcorn. Yeah, so it, it, who knows? But Saruza's never going to find out if the popcorn's worth worth the snacking. She's got to go. And Koi's like, oh, I was going to show you my band. First DC3 mention in weeks. Weird. I, you know, I kind of forgot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. Koi's in a band with that boy who's only in like four episodes this season. That's right. Uh, what's his I name we, again? We really could have used some new Tuan this episode. Newtonio? Was that him last yeah. week? Yeah, that was him last week. Newtonio. Yeah. He could have brought this thing home and instead he wasn't here. He wasn't here to buffer any of this. Um, so Corey was going to show her the band through his MP3 player, which was on the table, and now he can't find it. That's so, right. What did what did Mina say about Dubinians again? Never trust a filthy thieving Dubinian. Oh, and so now Corey is like, oh shoot, Saruza so like stole. Mina from was me. right. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, and so he quickly he like makes up a lie, which in and of itself this bothers me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that he tells Saruza, oh, didn't anyone tell you that before you leave someone's house, you have to wash your hands? It's an American tradition. Like, yes. Like, yes. I don't Corey, want let's... your dirty ass hands touching mm-hmm. my doorknobs. <laughs> Why is he, like, he's actively now just, like, tricking this person who is clearly new to American culture. Uh, and being, like, being a jerk. Yeah, it's right, classic but, Corey behavior. Yeah. Uh, and Saruza's like, oh, like that wasn't in the manual. Thanks for telling me. No, she says guidebook. 
Uh, I almost said it in the accent because I wrote down a bunch of stuff she says phonetically, but you told me not to. (laughs) (laughs) I think, yeah, I don't think, don't think either of us should, should try it. It's just Tommy Wiseau. (laughs) It is. Um, But it's like, it's also so inconsistent the whole time. Well, it's sometimes she has it. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll confirm it as directly as I can, but it blurs a very offensive line. It does. There, there are some times yeah. where it, it, she's she's not mimicking a race anymore. It's just going into just mean spirited parody. It may, yeah, it makes me wonder like what the direction possibly was. Um, like either way, I'm um, I'm pretty like anti. Uh, like I, I don't think that there needs to be an accent at all here. At all. Doesn't need to happen. You can tell us that she is a foreign exchange student um, without making this actress do this make-believe. Just um, Like actress, you said, borderline accent. offensive accent. Yeah. Cast a real actress with a real accent. It's the way to get around it. Um, yeah, so Saruza goes to wash her hands. Corey then goes through the bag and while she's out of the room and then she quickly comes back and because the door to the bathroom was locked and she finds Corey digging through her bag. It's like, what are you doing? And then Victor comes in. Uh, he had some time to kill, he says. If you know what he means. Yeah, and we do know what he means. We definitely know what he means. He pulled a um, Ronald, <laughs> right? Is it Ronald? Is that right? Shellfish. Yeah. And so he, as he comes in, he is listening to the MP3 player singing a DC3 song. Mm-hmm. Just to again remind us that DC3 Corey is exists. in a band? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Saruza calls out Corey. Um, and she's like, did you think I was a thief? And Corey's like, not you personally. I was told everyone in your country is a thief. Which but is, Bryce. that's... Bryce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something important we have to keep in mind is sure. that Bahavians never tell the truth. Well, that's, yeah. And so that's what Saruza says. Yeah. Stupid Corey. Like, Silly Corey. Trusting a Bahavian, you idiot. Yeah. Bahavians always lie. All of them. They all lie. That's right. Bahavians mm-hmm. lied and said that their sacred fig tree was on Bahavian soil was when it was on Dupi- Dubinian soil. Thus starting the land dispute between the mm-hmm. real countries of Bahavia and Dubinia. <laughs> and this has been going on for 800 years, centuries. In our Spoil face. dispute. Hmm. Hmm. Well, uh, yeah, Saruza says, I like, I can't even believe Corey in the house. Right? I, I mean, of all the Disney Channel shows, the <laughs> fact that any of them even attempted to address this at all is batshit crazy <laughs> that it was Corey in the house of all things and that it plays out the way it does i mean it makes me feel like a yak loving liar <laughs> oh my god uh, never trust the bahavian they're all yak loving liars ren <laughs> they are that's what that's what Sarisa says to Corey. Corey, who has known mina now for a long time like, I'd say, like, a year, a year and a half at this point. Yep. He's like, oh, she's never lied to me. Saruza's like, oh, well, like, I don't know, dude. 
How do you like, know? She's Bahavian. And, and also, she Sruza turns the scene around by say, saying to Koi, you're sweet, and it's not your fault um, for, like, she says that to him, like, oh, it's not your fault for, like, believing her. Um, Classic neg. Yeah, I, I said, um, I, I said, Sruza says Koi's sweet, and it's not his fault after immediately latching onto a negative stereotype. Um, like, he just doesn't even question it. He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, Saruza is, sure, she must be someone who steals. Um, and now he gets told this, and now he's ready to accept another one. It's, um, I think what's <sighs> frustrating about this episode and how it tackles racism is that in a lot of cases, Wait, there pause, are... hold on, pause, 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 pause. Okay, okay. You said tackles racism? <laughs> uh, I guess it acknowledges <laughs> racism. <laughs> Em- oh. Like I almost feel like embraces. Embrace. Okay. Um, like- <laughs> so I think my big issue with how this episode embraces racism is that you know there are those reductive, dumb surface level racists out there. Mm-hmm. They exist. Those are real people who almost yes. like one dimensional and comically racist. But mm-hmm. Corey in the house manages to reduce it to a level where it's no longer realistic or nuanced, and you can't have an earnest discussion about racism or race just because of how exaggerated it is. It's trying to address a very real and sensitive and serious topic, but it's so scared to be real mm-hmm. that it turns everything into like a parodic farce of itself where everything just farts on its face. Well, like, also, we get... So, let's say, to to kind of re, like rethink about this scene that we just talked about, Saruza here is now... Uh, catches Corey believing that she stole something. Yeah. If if let's be real, Saruza is gonna be per- like offended by that. Probably deeply upset. She is the daughter of an ambassador in the White yes. House. Um, like she she is. I'm sure she's aware of her privileges and what she can mm-hmm. do and who she can talk to. Yeah. And so, like, I, I'm just thinking about like Corey immediately latches onto the stereotype immediately then puts it into action and puts it on her and is like oh yeah this has to be your, your identity and instead they write Sarisa to, to just be like ah like I get why you believed it but it's not true Here's um, who you should really be racist against yes and it's like no in that situation like Sarisa would probably be really upset and there's there's something to uncover there about like I don't know you're uh, thoughts and actions that are generalizations and negative stereotypes have impacts on people. The, and the right? thing is, you can, you can have a, like a character react the way that Saruza did in a manipulative mm-hmm. way where they're trying to turn, where they recognize an opportunity to turn someone against their enemy. Yeah. But the thing is, Saruza is not framed as that character. No. She's basically, she really is just Mina times 100. She's the exact same character. They are like mm-hmm. clear parallels to one another in every sense to the point where they have the same dad. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so this next scene, this next scene is like the reflection of the one we just saw. So Corey is now bringing a diorama of the US Capitol to school. He did a group project with Mina. Uh, and he's like, oh, Mina, you brought the paper, right? And Mina's like, oh, I wrote it, but I lost it because my yak ate it. I, Corey has a hard, 
hard time believing it. Everything about this scene is weird to me. The fact that Corey did his share of the homework. The fact mm-hmm. that Mina is <laughs> actually telling the truth, but saying it in a way that's so clearly a lie when she's admitted stranger stuff to Corey before. Mm-hmm. I just... Yeah. I don't no. know. I just don't get it. They just, the writers, they don't care anymore. They don't. Yeah, I wrote, has he met Mina? Like, every single thing that happens in Mina's life is related to Yaks. So why is it so far-fetched for a Yak to have had a bite of Mina's homework? Because Dubinian poison is flowing through mm-hmm. Corey's veins. Yeah. So now Corey, exactly. So Corey's like, oh, she must be lying to me. And Corey starts to, like, ream her out. And then Ambassador P comes by to say, hey, uh, here's the report, by the way, that the Yak ate. And he explains, uh, in the midst of all this, Ambassador P delivers a line that I thought was funny. Um, He says, a Yak will eat anything that's not nailed down, even nails if they're not nailed down. Uh, The the Ambassador P line that got a laugh out of me Mm -hmm. was a patience and a father's love got the homework out of the Yak. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a it's a poop joke, but it's... I think it was the only joke I laughed at this episode. Yeah. Uh, in the midst of all of this chaos, he comes in and has two lines right in a row that were pretty... Like, they were good. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say decent. They were passable. I laughed. And you know, mm-hmm. if I laugh, that, that's uh, that's something Corey in the house doesn't do often. No. Uh, he leaves, uh, says, Shagadesh, which I'm so glad that we're learning the language uh, of Bahavians. Uh, a nice, polite fuck you to Corey before he heads off. Uh, Mina storms away upset. Corey still, because she's like, I can't believe, Corey, you thought I was lying. Corey still wants the report, and then she crumples up the report and throws it at Corey's face. I said, poop report touches Corey's mouth. It's amazing. This is the second time that Corey has had fecal matter in his mouth. Probably it's, not even uh, the second, yeah. you know, maybe third or fourth. I don't know what this boy does. From pilot to episode 33, near the finale. All right. So, again, this is a hint. This next scene is a hint to me that they are going for a very special episode. We get a scene with just Corey and Victor. Where Corey's going to Victor for advice about what to do. Father, right. I've never dealt with racism before. How do I help my mm-hmm. two friends deal with theirs? Yes. Uh, and Victor says the line, that's too bad people are taught to hate each other. I've never dealt with racism either, Corey. Oh my god. Like, I can't believe, like, I love Ronald Sheridan. I love him. Love him to death. He brings so much to this show. How did he not get this line and say, I'm sorry, is there some extra context we can provide to this line? Um, Like, it's so... I can only Blah. believe that he's that he's was checked out by this point. It's so ambiguous. It's so like it's nothing. It's a nothing line. It, it is, it, but it's meant to. So that's the thing. Is he delivered? Like it's delivered and it's written as if like, oh, this is the message. Like yeah. this is the takeaway. Um, but it's it's substanceless. It's you know the surface nothing. level attempt mm-hmm. at breaching a delicate topic without actually getting into it because you don't want to potentially offend anyone because mm-hmm. realistically racists are watching the disney channel i'm sure they make up a Correct. pretty big degree of the disney channel's viewership just by how much disney channel themselves so consciously tip around them mm-hmm. and you know they're um, never going to do a scene 
where Victor is like, yeah, Corey, I've dealt with a lot of uh, racism in America as a black man mm-hmm. throughout the past few years. So here's how you should, you know, discuss this with your friends. It's just going to be, it's so sad that people are taught to hate mm-hmm. each other as if Victor has would have realistically never dealt with anything remotely no. racist in his life. It, it's an insult. Yeah, it, it really is. That's why I think that's why it pissed me off so much right now. I think you just put it, put it so eloquently that um, he, he is a, a great character. And I know that the character, and I know that the actor would have had so much more to say on the topic. Well, what's than just ex- that? What's extremely frustrating about it is that there is a That's So Raven episode that mm-hmm. actually directly addresses racism against African-Americans because Raven in the episode True Colors, season mm-hmm. three, episode 10 of That's So Raven, Raven doesn't get hired at a clothing store because she's African-American. Yeah, She wants to expose the racist recruiter. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, I don't remember it very well. It might not be like the best, funniest, or even like most sensitive episode, but I'm sure it managed to handle the subject with infinitely more tact than Corey in the house has here, which, you know, it, Corey in the house is simply skipping over. He doesn't want to acknowledge mm-hmm. that Victor or Corey might have dealt with racism in their lives. The focus needs to be on Mina and Saruza so that, you know, the premise and scope is simple enough for us to understand so we can take yeah. away the meaningless message. <sighs> okay. How, how about so, the middle? Yeah, so Sophie has a can of peanut brittle, right? She gives it to Corey. Corey's like, okay, sure, I guess I'll open this, and opens it, and of course the snakes come flying out. Sophie, biggest reaction, she loves it, so over the top. She's like, where did that come from? Uh, It's like, I gotta be honest, Ren, Sophie was a shining light in this episode. I don't know, is that just me? Is it like, well, as we get further into Corey in the house, I think because she's so young, she's not jaded. So she's yeah. actually trying. Mm-hmm. So the fact that like, so those game plan acting <laughs> lessons are actually paying off here in season two, mm-hmm. especially since everyone else is clearly just given up. Like no one gives Correct. a shit. No one wants to be here. Everyone just wants to get their last paycheck, go home, <laughs> get out the writer's strike. It, they're done. Mm-hmm. They know that writing's on the wall. <laughs> All right. And so then... Uh, Corey tells Sophie to give up the prank business, uh, saying, uh, besides, you'll never, ever get me. He says that, like, while he pats her head, um, kind of, like, condescendingly, yeah. pretty much. And uh, and that's that's that. That sets us up for the conclusion of the episode right there. Uh, so Corey has an idea for how to fix what's going on with Saru's and Mina. He's going to bring them to the Garden of Forgiveness. <laughs> so is this the courtyard of the school uh, re- like, done up? What, where is this? What is so this you know, how, you know how last week Candy built that arena in an hour? Oh, sure. She builds the Garden of Forgiveness whenever they need to like put it up in the courtyard. Yeah, it's just someone needs to forgive someone. So they tell Candy to do it. And she's like, give me 20 minutes. It would take 10 if I had more than two hands. Uh <laughs> The concept of the Garden of Forgiveness? <laughs> Who did this? Who? <laughs> and it's, it doesn't even work. Like, that, it's, why are we here? It's a horrible setting. It's like, it's like when you're, you know, when you're in a zoo and you're going through those, like, we, those deep areas that are kind of like on hills in between yeah, fences yes. with a bunch of trees. 
<laughs> there are no there are no animals you can realistically see. It's really for just mm-hmm. you just to move through the land. Yes. That's what it reminded me of. It just kind of have that CD quality where, mm-hmm. you know, I just, I got to get through this. I don't want to be here. I don't want to dwell. I just got to get through this. Yes. So, cause, so the set uh, is made up of, we get a pond, right? So that's our center, our big water feature. Uh, and then uh, some two, two girls doing yoga, a bench, which Corey's sitting on and uh, a nun. Well, she's there to forgive. She is yeah yeah she is so is she the one doing the forgiving i mean spiritually she's the only one who actually can forgive people yes. like if you did something wrong to me and i forgave you it wouldn't count in god's eye you need a nun a, to actually yeah you. to make it happen a nun Otherwise, would be able to still counts <laughs> <laughs> i love the intricacies of religion I, it's uh, crazy got... right it's fun <laughs> it's, i don't know do you think I feel like the nun population has gone down drastically in oh, the I'm past sure like hundred years? I mean, right? like, who, wants to, who wants to be a nun in this day and age? Right? There are so many better career options. Yeah, where did because uh, there was like former formerly like nunneries, right? Nuns yeah. would also help run private Catholic schools. Um, not to say there are no longer private Catholic schools, but if there are yeah. some, they usually aren't run by nuns. Uh, I can, yeah, I gotta think it's probably not super lucrative either. I can't imagine. You know, you're devoting yourself to religion. You're not doing it for the money. I guess you're right. Yeah. Or in this case, um, imagine you devote your life to religion and you get sentenced to the Garden of Forgiveness. You're you're trying to learn how to forgive them. Yeah. For. Yeah. <laughs> you're like I, I gave up everything and now I need to hang out in this. Like it's the the. Gardener forgiveness is probably the size of like uh maybe a, uh like a living room. I'd uh, I'd say like a bedroom. Yeah, it's pretty it's, it's pretty compact, like a college there, dorm room. Little AC yeah. unit. Mm-hmm. Um, so Corey's there to defile it, right? <laughs> he he's gonna scream a little bit to Mina because he asked Mina to meet him there. He's yeah, gonna wear like, a hey. very offensive shirt. Yeah, yeah, he will, but don't worry, you don't see it yet. <laughs> um, he screams to Mina. He's like, Mina, get over here. And everyone's like, shh. And he's like, yo, forgive me, forgive me. And then Corey apologizes uh, to Mina and he wants to continue his friendship with Mina. Mina uh, is like, you know what? Sure. And it means a lot to me that you're done with Saruza, the devil. Uh, that uh, devil mm-hmm. and just in time Suruza comes in and Corey says speak of the devil right um and they're like what is she doing here <laughs> Corey parent trapped them Corey did parent trap them mm-hmm. <clears throat> they got tricked and Corey is like uh so i've seen i'd, I'd there's definitely episodes that exist like this where like two people don't get along and then the one person brings them together and like handcuffs them together until they work it out or something like that. Yeah. Would that have helped or hurt in this situation? Bryce, mm-hmm. I think they might have killed Corey. <laughs> they would have been united, but only for that moment. And mm-hmm. afterwards, they would have killed each other. In the game of Clue, it would have been 
uh, Corey Baxter was killed by Mina and Saruza with the handcuffs at the Garden of Forgiveness. Um, yeah, so they Corey has a plan to unite them. It is it's not handcuffs, right? They're not going to be stuck with each other till they can work things out in that typical trope. Instead, Corey is going to try a brand new approach that's never been seen before and probably will never be seen again. The unity shirt. <laughs> mm. what's, what's the unity shirt, Ren? <laughs> uh, Tell me in about World it. War, in World War II, Corey would have worn a shirt where one half represented the allied powers and the other half represented the Axis powers in an attempt to unify them. <laughs> and would it have worked? No, of course not, because Absolutely no one else not. on this planet is that stupid. No. Um, so he shows them this shirt that has both their flags, the flag of Bahavia on one side and the flag of uh, Divinia on the other. I like that they hired uh, local teen graphic designers mm-hmm. to design each flag. To make, make a Bahavian flag and a Divinian flag just for Corey's shirt. Um, both girls are very rightfully so offended uh, about this. And they immediately rip it off of Corey's body. Yep. Yeah. What, it goes uh, and, unexamined, whatever. It's Corey in the house. This boy gets stripped like... Once every three weeks. (laughs) They rip it off. Corey then spins around and slams into a telephone pole or whatever, and then falls into the pond. Gets up, spits out water, which I have questions about. Well, Uh, when he fell in, he just started guzzling a bunch of water. Yeah, it's like it happens in cartoons, not so often in live action shows, correct? No, not really. You get a cartoon character dunked in water and then they come out and they do the like... <sighs> Sorry, that visual was a lot better if you could see me. Don't worry. I, I visualized it in my head. I saw the water coming out of your mouth. A little bit came out of your ears too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't understand how that happens. You get in there and you just... You forget you're underwater for a second. You don't realize. So you just breathe in a giant gulp of water and hold it in your mouth. I mean, it has to be that, right? Yeah, I guess so. And then he gets up, and instead of immediately spitting out of his mouth, he, like, does it slowly. A little trickle. Um, and while he's in the water, Ren, he turns to the nun. <laughs> Can and a we... sister help a brother out? <laughs> hey. It's a joke! Ain't no Maybe. party like Holy a Cory party. Because a Cory party's off the hook. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> this you know show... what I like about this scene most mm-hmm. of all? What? It's the fact that it transitions to a close-up of Corey's face as he's softly moaning, looking at the camera while eating banana cream pie. So I I want to talk a lot about this scene, but I don't want to talk too much about the scene. <laughs> so we have to... It's a very delicate balance here. I mean, this is... <laughs> Can you this paint the, the first picture time we've seen for... Martinez sneaking down into the back of the residence to eat their food in the mi- in the middle of the night while in a bathrobe that contains a fork in it? This is what he does, uh, and while Corey's sitting in the dark, half dimly lit kitchen, like what? And Corey's not even phased by this. Martinez is no. just constantly trying to eat this boy's food. <laughs> 
He's got nothing better to do than to sneak down to the kitchen. He sneaks. It isn't a like a stroll through the kitchen like we've seen him before, which that alone is like, why the hell is he spending so much time in the kitchen? But this is, I assume, 1 a.m. Can't wake up Chef Victor. Yeah. He's sneaking, sneaking around. Um, um, Corey looks sad. Okay. And Martinez is like, oh, what? Why the long face? Um, well, actually, first he wants the pie that Corey's eating. And then he pretty much like takes the pie from Corey. Um, and then we get them, they get talking. Corey tells them what's going on went on martinez mentions that he's been pulled out of a fountain by a nun before uh story for a different pie though been there done that mm-hmm. um okay so martinez has been trying to help get these countries to talk for a long time so he's like do you know what Corey? i think we can make this work this is absurd uh rice that mm-hmm. i'm getting some crackle on your end you're getting crackle? Yeah. Like a lot of crackle? It stopped. Hmm. Okay. Um, so, Martinez has been trying to get these countries to talk for a long time. And Martinez agrees to help Koi, which is just an absurd premise here. That they're going to work together to unite the countries. Well, think of it like this. Corey might have the idea that unites these two nations together after 800 years of prejudice <laughs> and driven them apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Martinez, they're like, let's talk through the ideas. Let's start with the stupidest idea and work backwards. Right? Great idea. And that's when Martinez pitches, let's make a shirt with their flags on it. Mm-hmm. Classic. <sighs> mm-hmm. A stupid idea all around. Um, all right, you ready for our boomer scene? I'm ready. We're finally here. I feel like it's been a marathon, and we're we finally made it here to one of the worst boomer moments ever. Mm-hmm. Um, Martinez has uh, lured the leaders, the so the, both ambassadors of uh, Davinia and Bahavia, as well as their daughters, into a room and uh, agreed to give them pie. And they're upset there's no pie. But Martinez is like, well, we will get pie in a moment. But first, you will hear from a young man who's been personally affected by the conflict between your two countries. So Martinez is putting all of his faith and all of his eggs into the Cory basket here. Which is uh, the smartest thing to do, right? It's very bold of him. And it almost seems like... It, so if nothing else has worked in the past historically... Why not this? Like, who's to say that Corey's chaos isn't what's going to fix this? I mean, you know, worse things have happened. Before anyone gets pie, before we even get to hear from Corey, Martinez has Sophie, who is also in the room, which is inappropriate, um, pass out peace pillows. (laughs) Uh, I mean, you know, it's Martinez's way of showing that even a child can appreciate the full scope of racism. Yes. Yeah, and it's like... Is, does he want her to be there to see to show her like, hey, like this is gonna be a big day for me? Like he know he thinks that this is gonna go well. Watch this, honey. Daddy's mm-hmm. gonna get a big win. Yeah, Corey's <laughs> gonna help me. It's weird. I think it's very weird that Sophie is there, even if she made peace pillows. In my mind, any well, president. Well, what? 
well, you're saying it's weird, but I let's think of it like this. Martinez mm-hmm. has lost so much support mm-hmm. in his public inner circle that we haven't seen his wife in months. Mm-hmm. I mean, Samantha Samuels is missing. I think <laughs> it's feasible that Sophie is just the last person left who believes in any semblance of this man. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has given up on Martinez as he approaches negative <laughs> 300 approval rating. The Martinez party is all right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we gotta address Samantha Samuels being gone at one point. Uh, maybe next week we'll we'll spend some time really figuring out what happened to her. A good farewell to Samantha Samuels. <laughs> um, yes, so I, I went back and listened to our first episode really? this week, and I think that you should do it before next week. Okay. Uh, because it's there's some, some wild takes in there. Really? That really, uh, I think, elevate where we're at now. okay um all right so uh, sophie passes out these peace pillows which is like cushions they all sit on them they they, they'll think they're pleasant they're happy with them Uh, i was expecting whoopee cushions and the farts would unite everyone yes i thought it was gonna be farts too but what we got is maybe so much better or maybe so much worse it's better in the sense that it's not as you know one note as farts Mm -hmm. it's worse in the sense that it's probably one of the worst bits Corey in the house has ever done yeah like in terms of execution it's awful it's dragged out it's unfunny it's offensive it's annoying yeah we get yeah, like getting punched in the head over and over and over until not until you black out but just enough where it hurts so much you wish you did mm-hmm. yeah so Corey is now uh going to give his speech and, and the tragedy of it all is Corey actually tried to prepare a pretty mature speech from what I could actually digest. <laughs> Were you too busy laughing the whole time? To... I, I was too busy guffawing at the different ways they blocked that boy's ass. <laughs> sure. And the reason they need to block his ass is because uh, Corey's uh, pants uh, and then eventually his underwear gets seared off by... <laughs> the the pillow that Corey was sitting on they get seared off in front of both ambassadors uh and both girls and sophie who gets uh al promptly puts his hands over sophie's eyes thank god the writers put that in um and we're left with Corey giving a speech uh while austin power style his ass cheeks are blocked out by various um items in the room and he makes a lot of butt related jokes without yep. like unintentionally if stanley were here he'd say cory got a bear ass <laughs> why is that a bear ass <laughs> uh yeah so uh, i the one i wrote down one bit of a speech i didn't want to take down the whole thing cuz it was just exhausting but just to give people an idea, he says, I know the idea. So he's, this is uh, to the ambassadors, to the girls, while his butt is fully exposed. They're laughing while he's saying this. He says, I know the idea of just declaring peace sounds way too easy. And you're probably, and I know you're probably all saying, hey, I know there's a butt coming. He pauses. They laugh because he said butt. And he says, but hey, there's always a big old butt. I'm not going to get angry. I'm just going to turn the other cheek. This is what we've wow. resorted to. Mm-hmm. Bunch of butt jokes. 
Uh, and Victor comes in just in time to serve food, sees that Corey is, his pants are busted. They're broken. <laughs> He's got his ripped pants. Uh, tells Corey that his, his butt's exposed. His back door is showing. Corey says, booty, no. Booty, no! <laughs> and he runs and sits down. Ren, if you're, the back of your pants just got seared off, would you run and sit down or would you run out of the room? Well, that depends, Bryce. Mm-hmm. Am I in the White House or am I in the White House I live in where I have a bedroom with all mm-hmm. my clothes that I can quickly run to? Like, it just it blew my mind that this was his option. He was like, oh, I, will, I will sit down and then just stay seated. Or I would sit and then maybe like do what he does later and use the chair to leave. Maybe or, like, he's maybe kind just of into it. Cushion. Maybe Corey, uh, Corey kind of likes the voyeurism. Uh, Everyone's looking gonna... at his ass. Look at me. I'm King Butt. <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, the feedback that they get now. So everyone's laughing. A rousing success. Bryce. Or President Martinez. Is a, is a bare butt this funny? No. I feel it, like you wouldn't even get a smile out of me. It would make me hell of uncomfortable. I Please cover your ass, sir. Mm-hmm. Please? Yeah. Or if I'm one of the fathers, uh, I would probably be like, excuse me, sir. Um, my daughter is right next to me. And this is deeply uncomfortable. Mm. Well, instead, Ambassador uh, Perum says, I nearly blocked. Uh, I sure love Corey ass. Mm-hmm. That was funny, Sophie. Yeah. Uh, Sophie played a really good prank on him. Uh, everyone laughs. Martinez says, well, now that we all got to laugh in the face of like this man or something like that, let's all shake hands. And it works. And that's how Corey united two nations who have been feuding for centuries over land. Showing them his butt. I feel insulted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah, feel I do like too. the 27 years I've spent on this planet have been invalidated by this episode. It all comes down, Ren, to just butt jokes. Conflict doesn't need to exist. It's all very, uh, very overdone. Bottom of the barrel. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. No, so say, like, this conclusion here, this wrap-up, does it feel earned? Well, no, of course not. No. I think what, what's really damning about this conclusion is that it's so inappropriate for the kind of episode this was up to this point. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give it any credit. This episode was bad. It did not handle race well. Nope. It was tactless. It was rude. It was just downright ignorant and idiotic mm-hmm. about its approach to other nationalities and just basic racism and confronting racism as a topic. But it had the tone of a very special episode, which at least suggests a more dramatic resolution to the plot. Mm-hmm. Not something that ups the ante to a level that Corey in the house only <laughs> saves for its stupidest moments. That's an, uh, an awesome point. Because you get those very special episodes that typically end in a, dr- like a more dramatic moment than the show is usually does. And that's what yeah. makes it a very special episode is everything comes to a head and they put these characters in a situation and instead of it resulting in a joke where a character exposes his butt, it actually results in a real conversation. But we don't yeah. do that here. 
we don't need to have a conversation about how our differences and our prejudices uh, from one group to another, um, you know, are uh, exaggerated. Yeah. Perhaps, right? But why do that when we could just have Corey show them their butt? It's just the worst way to handle a very special episode, just in terms of structure. Because you don't want to start with all that dramatic stuff first and then end with the humor. You want to start no. with the humor and then ease into the dramatic stuff. Mm -hmm. Have you watched Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Nope, never seen an episode. Okay. There's an episode where Will, who's the main character, gets, uh, gets I think, either held up or shot by someone mm -hmm. while he's with his cousin Carlton. And this yep. shakes up his cousin so much that Carlton ends up buying a gun at the end of the episode. Yep. And Will, like, confronts him about this and forces him to just give the gun away. And it's handled in a completely dramatic way. And the episode ends in a scene that has no laugh track, just pure drama resolving the conflict of the episode. But at that point, it was a, it was a funny episode that dealt with its, you know, the, it, it managed to toe a line between actual dramatic you know, acknowledging mm -hmm. a serious thing that can happen to someone and being a sitcom and making people laugh and entertaining audiences through character humor. Yeah. Which Corey in the house forgets to do on every level. No. Uh, that episode sounds very good. It's insanely good. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We, was, that, was that one of our shows? Fresh Prince? Yeah. Uh, maybe. I. It might have been in the bracket. Yeah. But it might Who knows? There's always a next time. That's a great show, though. Oh, really, always really a next show. time. Uh, yeah, and so, like, Martinez, is this his victory? It's confusing to me. I mean, I guess. Like, it's, to the extent, like, so now these two nations are united. This seems like it would be good. Like, is he going to go up in the ratings? <laughs> is where my mind's at right now. Is he going to go up in the ratings? Yeah. Well, this is the first positive, you know, step with these two nations in 800 years. 800 years. And Martinez made it happen. I guess it would. Mm -hmm. I guess it would have to. Eight, like, pretty big, I, I think, to pull them together. Um. Let's, you want to just do it now? Our rating? Yeah. Like episode rating or Martinez rating? No, Martinez rating. Martinez rating. He's at negative 270. So like how, this is like, I feel like this is the biggest thing that he has done. Well, this is definitely, this is significant because it goes beyond just the uh, American readers. This is a geo geopolitical mm -hmm. with Martinez. This will have like actual ramifications on mm -hmm. whatever continents bavia and dubidia <laughs> yes. are meant to be on mm -hmm. i could honestly see so i'm 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 gonna give a big number only because martinez's approval rating is so low right now yeah if he were still in like the hundred range this would be significantly lower just to match realism's sake mm -hmm. but because it's gotten so exaggerated to like i'm gonna i feel we should give him a plus 50 oh okay i, I was gonna i was gonna go like 75 Wow, even bigger. I Like, this is 800 years, Ren. No one, no political leader has been able to bring these two countries together. Well, the thing is, I could also see some people being against it because it's an example of America intervening yeah. in a situation that doesn't deal with them. And that's a very American trait that is globally looked down upon. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm sure there would also be people on both sides who don't want Bahavia and Jubinia uh, reconciling just because <laughs> that hatred is so deep-seated. Um, could I... Could we meet kind of in the middle and I give you the difference? So we do like negative... Uh, so we add 60 instead of 50. Okay, we can do 60. Okay. All right, so we, uh, we'll we put them at uh, negative 210 then. So, uh, so real quick, last scene in this episode. It's a nothing scene. It, it really is. It's two minutes of Mina apologizing to Corey. We're back at the Garden of Forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Where else would you apologize? Well, for it to be a meaningful apology, the nun needs to bless it. Right? She wants it to really count. Uh, does she need to apologize to Corey? Uh, I... <laughs> That's it's it's on, like, on who needs to apologize day, to who? I feel like I feel like the instinctive answer is yes, of course. You know, no. Mm-hmm. I this episode was just it took a lot out of me. Corey should have apologized to like I feel like everyone knows everyone an apology here. Um, the writers about this episode is just such a shit show. It is. So like I, when we get to the end and Mina's like, Corey, I'm so sorry for putting you in that situation. Um, what? Mina, I'm so sorry for believing. Yeah. Uh, racist, that racist propaganda about you. Saruza, I'm so sorry for believing that racist propaganda about Correct. you. Like, so that, like, it seems like Mina's apology. So I would accept Mina apologizing to Saruza. Saruza apologizing to Mina. And then I don't, I, I don't know where Corey comes into it. Corey owes everyone an apology. And, uh, I don't I- think, <laughs> right? It's just another example of the Corey and the House Raiders not considering the full scope of things. Yeah. They're basically saying that Cor- that it's okay to the to like pass it to think about these passive microaggressions and just accept that they're a part of life. Yeah, you're gonna be casually racist. So what? It's not your fault. You didn't know better. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You were tricked. You thought these people were, you know, what you were told. It's not yeah. your fault you thought something racist. Mm-hmm. In it's, fact, you know, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you that I that you felt that way. Like what? Um. It's yeah. It, it's it seems really strange ending for the episode, and then Koi goes to the mall with Mina and Saruza to hold their purses and scene. Women be shopping. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> What is this? We got one episode left, right? One episode. Like, Can it get worse? They, maybe. Like, do they really need to put us like through every like Corey in the House has had a lot. You and I have had more conversations than I expected about race <laughs> and racism, and not the type of conversations that I was would have been expecting. Yeah, for us to have. Um, and. Instead, it was all about, uh, it was, we talked a lot about it. And the fact that they gave us what I would say is the most, uh, you, you already have gone off about it. I, I think you did it perfectly, but like the most ignorant and absurd and racist episode yet, they put as the second to last episode. It's like, they literally, the main A plot line is a race war. It's just insane to me that Corey in the mm-hmm. house latched on to Bahavia so much that that inherent racism just became a part of its identity. Mm-hmm. And it, honestly, it's, I don't know if it's funny or sad, 
that Cory and the House managed to make a fictional country have such an intensely visceral racist depiction mm-hmm. that you can feel the malice. And it's not even a real place. These aren't real people, you know? There's nothing to feel bad about, but it feels bad just because it's written so inherently poorly. Yeah. <sighs> um, all right, so we're at the end. Uh, we again, we don't do bad anymore. There's nothing to look forward to. We have one episode left. Uh, any roses here? Any bright spots? No, not at I all. I laughed, but I'm you know I don't. I'm not gonna give you know a petty rose. Oh, mm-hmm. I laughed at this joke. Nothing. It doesn't count. It's invalidated mm-hmm. by the rest of the episode. <laughs> Anything I laughed at is invalidated by everything else. <laughs> My rose is nothing. My thorn mm-hmm. is everything. This could have been, this very well could have been the episode that got them canceled. I um, like, so my theory is this episode was written, it was handed to a Disney exec. Yeah. They went, oh shit, we're in the writer's strike. We can't turn anything away. Mm-hmm. So they were like, all right, we're going to air this because we have to, but you're done. No more. <laughs> Write whatever you're writing right now, turn it in, be gone. Stop. Please stop. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, yeah. I was thinking, like, maybe the exec saw this and they were like, um, please, no, we can't air this. And then the, the Corey and the House writers insisted. They, they went against their will and that's what got them canceled. I it's think, it's worth, make it I think it's worth mentioning that uh, Sarah Jane Cunningham and Susie V. Freeman, who wrote this episode, did not write for Disney Channel again for a good six years. Mm-hmm. And you know, I can see why. I wouldn't want I wouldn't want them back anytime soon either. They needed a break. After well, I don't know, when like your creative juices are flowing and you finally get to put out the line of uh it's a shame that people are taught to hate each other. Uh like after you have that out there, where else is there to go? Creatively, nowhere. there's nowhere. You nowhere hit your feet. Down. Um all right, so I, I Rose and Thorn, I, I pretty much agree with you. Uh, I'll, I'll tiny, tiny, tiny Rose to Sophie. I love her energy here. She hasn't been great lately, but this was fun. Yeah. Um, and Al, I'll give it to Al too. Um, all right, any reviews here? No, but I did find something quite interesting. Okay. I found a wiki called Best TV Shows dot mirahees.org and they have an entry on Corey in the house okay it has three sections why it rocks bad qualities and trivia i'm going to read it all to you oh good okay why it rocks number one the series is a nice follow-up from That's So Raven, as Corey Baxter grows up to get his own show and move from San, fin- San Francisco, California to Washington, D.C. Corey Baxter and his dad, Victor Victor Baxter, are still their old and charming selves. It's got Newt characters such as Newt Livingston, Sophie Martinez, Mina Perum, Jason Stickler, and more. They are likable here and there. Corey Baxter is living in the White House is an interesting concept. Victor Baxter getting a job as the White House executive chef is a great idea. Cool theme song perfect acting 
Raven Simone's character, Raven Baxter from That's So Raven, returns for a guest appearance in the episode That's So In The House. Mm -hmm. It marks as the first Disney Channel spinoff series. Some memorable and heartwarming performances. Great set design as if it was filmed in Washington, D.C., (laughs) this scene right here is so beautifully chaotic and hysterical it may be one of the funniest scenes in not just the show but possibly the entire disney channel pantheon bryce you have one guess what scene is this (laughs) um i'll give it to my favorite i'll give it to Corey in the bear cage i doubt it is it's Corey got a bone hand See, I, I, I'll go back and I'll say it, Red. I think that's, you and I didn't give that scene enough credit. We didn't. I also, I, yeah. that actually haunts me sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'll think cool. about that episode and I'll think, damn, we did not talk about Stanley and the bone hand nearly enough. No, no. That, everything that happened in that scene, I feel like was equally as chaotic as Samantha Samuels laugh gassing the press room. Um, <laughs> so... And we gave that one a lot of praise. Uh, oh. I feel like we gave that one a lot of credit, but we didn't give nearly enough credit to Stanley being chased by a skeleton on a motorized vehicle. In our defense, by that point, like, senioritis yeah. is hitting in. That's true. It was just starting. The semester had to end. <laughs> you ready for some bad qualities? Yeah, what's the worst part about Corey in the house? Uh, Sophie can be bratty and act more of a karma Houdini at times. <laughs> what does that mean? Is that a person? <laughs> Houdini. Yeah, like the magician that disappears? Yeah. I'm looking at the term karma Houdini. Oh, it's a TV trope. You want to know what it is? Yeah. Um, the character has done a number of things that deserve a karmic comeuppance. Most importantly, things that caused harm to the innocent. But when the time has come for the hammer to fall, that's not what happens. At least not on them. They don't get what they deserve. Instead, they get away scot-free. So I would argue that uh, I like this term a lot. Um, I would argue that Corey is also a Karma Houdini. Most of the time he is. Yeah. Uh, second point, which bodes terribly for us. Mm-hmm. The last episode, Mad Songs Pay So Much, was a very disappointing ending, as it feels like the series ended on a cliffhanger and does not feel like an actual series finale. Oh my gosh. And the story does not even continue in Raven's home. Speaking of which, this finale was an awful way to end the show and would have been a bad way to end that That's So Raven franchise if Raven's home didn't happen. And the last bad quality, the laugh track plays nonstop. Um, you and I are in for it. We are. Next week's going to be rough. Wow. I, I like the song because I know the episode is about a song. So I'm DC three. That would like I'm I'm hoping we see some DC three in the finale. Of course, in the house. Judging by that name, we will. I hope so. You ready for some trivia? Sure. This series marks a Disney Channel first, and it is the channel's first spinoff produced by It's a Laugh Productions Inc. This is also the only Disney Channel spinoff series to be broadcast in standard definition for the entire length of the show. What this means is that every other Disney Channel spinoff either released after high definition existed or lasted long enough to transition into HD, mm. which Corey in the House did not. No one, no one wanted Corey in the House. But it's like, you gotta give it some credit. The first Disney Channel spinoff. It's the first Disney Channel spinoff, but the second point notes that reruns of the series have not been aired on Disney Channel or Disney XD. 
Yeah. However, they continue to air on the Family Channel in Canada. Hmm. And it's like, I'm, obviously, it's absent from Disney Plus. Yeah. And Wait. I, I can only assume it's because of the uh, Kyle Massey lawsuit. Yeah, that's that's what I'm Dude. led to believe as well. But with that said, um, I found I follow Rondell Sheridan on Twitter, and like I see things come up about like Ravens home, everyone getting back together and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So if if that happens and Kyle Massey is back on Ravens home, I'll just I'll be kind of confused on what Disney's stances to it well he hasn't been back yet and raven's home is like a few seasons correct i'm going to assume that at this point he will not be coming back yeah that's what i would i would assume as well uh any other trivia from this site no that's it that's all wow and no vg freak tonight Mm. missed um all right so that's that's everything right we ready to just rate the episode i guess we are what's um what is your basement look like for your ratings i feel like we're gonna find out right now bryce i'm giving this one a one mm-hmm. hey well we're going we're going four three two one now uh i'm gonna look at the list now have we given any episodes a one before i gave who let the dolls out a one mm-hmm. yeah and that, i think this that is about was... on the same level as bad like it yes. more offensive mm-hmm. more offensive but a little bit funnier which cancels things out yeah, I'm. I'm gonna go ahead and give it a one as well. Uh, it was. I wanted it to never exist, <laughs> and it did. It it's really existing. getting. I can't believe it's getting worse and worse. Yeah, that song's be pay so much. Awful. So so next week we will talk about the finale, our last ever conversation, Ren, about <laughs> Corey in the house. Mad songs pay so much. Mm-hmm. Our series finale. Oh wow! Directed by Rich Coral, who also directed the first episode. Yeah, the pilot. And yeah. written by Mark Warren, who also wrote the first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's gonna be a wrap on Corey in the house as of next week. I will not miss it. <laughs> I gotta be honest. <laughs> I've spun into insanity a little bit too much with this show, and I need for it to be over. I'm ready for Ned. I'm so ready for Ned's Declassified. I can't wait for what that journey will be. Um, And otherwise, I mean, so we'll post on social media, uh, hopefully tomorrow, if not Tuesday at the latest, uh, info about our live show so folks can catch us there. And, um, you know that's that's pretty much all i have to say like us on facebook twitter and instagram radar podcast and uh yeah anything else friend bryce at moments mm-hmm. like these i like to think back about something a young cory baxter once told me and what was that use a busta <laughs> it's meme cory it's very <laughs> meme cory uh, this feels like a marathon getting through this episode like, I'm exhausted just talking about all the intricacies of this episode. The thing is, uh, Corey, in the, Corey in the House is usually bad, but it's never this loadedly bad. No. No, well, there's just so much to touch on. This is worse and worse. So, all right. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. And I hope that you have a great rest of your day and have a good night's sleep. Take care, everyone. Have fun at the tricentennial ball. Bye. Bye. 
I apologize for this. I, I need five seconds. Apparently, my mic is echoing out in the hallway. Really? Yeah. Because right. I, I my headset on my computer. All right. You can, you can it's fix it. It's loud. That. All right. It's loud. Should I leave that in the podcast? I don't think so. Are you sure? Uh, I mean, do you, do like, you think, I feel like it's compelling. So whenever something like this happens, I always feel like we need to ask ourselves, does this pass the Andrew and Jacob test? Would they enjoy listening to a full minute of silence? Well, it'd be one thing if I just got up and left for a minute, but where I, I announce it, it's kind of like, it's an insight into, it's like a behind the scenes thing. And I guess if we leave this part in, there's enough context exactly so i don't know it could be compelling i think there's someone out there who finds it compelling whether andrew and jacob do or anyone else who listens i don't know but could you uh, like splice in some wave sounds to for the transition like or like like some nature noise during like a maybe a, a lion growling or a gorilla playing if i do that it'll make it seem like i live in a jungle i mean what's wrong with that we don't we want to give some kind of illusion of fantasy is that what we're doing here? <laughs> you think people listen to this and on their mind is like, wow, I bet your brace is recording this week from like uh, a castle in the highest tower surrounded by lava and a dragon. Our, right? you think people- our podcast yeah. genre is escapism. People play it at night to fall asleep. I feel so bad because people do listen to podcasts if they fall asleep, Ren. I feel so bad if anyone listens to us while they fall asleep. The, think of the nightmares they'd have just some, from uh, what we're saying subconsciously. Yeah. They'd, a dream of being in Bahavia. <laughs> um, so with that, with that said, let's, let's get back. Let's jump in. All right. Um, so we just got done talking about the two writers. 